Now, what about the nations surrounding Israel or surrounding Judah who were happy that they fell and they were just coming down on them? We'll talk about it today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemmer. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, where we are studying the book of Ezekiel chapter 25. Fascinating stuff as we look at this. Corey? I'm taking a look at Ezekiel's prophecy against Edom and the excavation of Tel Arad. Ryan? In today's reading, Ezekiel prophesies against many nations, one of which is Edom. So today we discover just who exactly these Edomites were. All right, very good. Look forward to that. That's coming up in about 25 minutes or 20 minutes. And Janice is coming up in 25 minutes. What are you doing? Talking about loving God. All right, very good. So take your Bible out. That's the Word of God. Best-selling book in the world, by the way. And take your Bible guide out and begin to turn to the page and begin to understand what God is saying to us. Ezekiel 25, 8 through 17. Thus says the Lord God, Because Moab and Seir say, Look, the house of Judah is like all the nations. Therefore, behold, I will clear the territory of Moab of cities, of the cities on its frontier, the glory of the country, Beth Jeshemoth, Baalmeon, and Kirjathaim. To the men of the east, I will give it as a possession, together with the Ammonites, that the Ammonites may not be remembered among the nations. And I will execute judgments upon Moab, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because of what Edom did against the house of Judah by taking vengeance and has greatly offended by avenging itself on them, therefore thus says the Lord God, I will also stretch out my hand against Edom, cut off man and beast from it, and make it desolate from Teman. Dedan shall fall by the sword." I will lay my vengeance on Edom by the hand of my people Israel, that they may do in Edom according to my anger and according to my fury, and they shall know my vengeance, says the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God, Because the Philistines dealt vengefully and took vengeance with a spiteful heart to destroy because of the old hatred, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will stretch out my hand against the Philistines, and I will cut off the Ketherites and destroy the remnant of the seacoast. I will execute great vengeance on them with furious rebukes, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon them. Ezekiel chapter 25, verses 8 through 17. We read Ezekiel 25, Ezekiel 26, and Ezekiel 27 today as we continue to go through the Word of God. It's very interesting. You know, the Lord speaks to all nations, the whole world. He created everything. God has a nation of His own, and it is not just Israel but includes those who follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, His only begotten Son. 
Christians believe that the Lord Jesus Christ came and lived among us. He showed us how to live and what it means to live. He died on the cross and rose to life again on the third day. He was seen by over 500 men and then ascended to heaven. We also believe that Jesus Christ said, quote, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And that's in John chapter 14, verse 6. Now that makes Christianity a very narrow religion in terms of the only way of being saved by God through Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, the Lord has spoken to everyone in the world in times past about his salvation. The nations of the Moabites, Edomites, and those in Philistia did not respect God's plan to bring salvation, and they tried to stop the will of God, which was a major mistake. Because whenever God is doing something and you try to stop it, that's not good. Take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage as we begin to focus on this. And let's remember that you can get your Bible guide by calling us or writing to us. Or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on it and it'll take you to a donate page. Thank you for your donation. And uh, we really, really appreciate that, especially in this time. And may God help you uh, as he always does those who give to his work. Now, in the last couple of years, we've talked from 25, Ezekiel 25, prophecy against Ammon. And today, prophecy against Moab, Edom, and Philistia. Chapter 26 is a prophecy against Tyre. And chapter 27 is a lament or a mourning song for Tyre. Uh, but today, we're going to focus on the prophecy against Moab, Edom, and Philistia. It is interesting. We've never taught on this before. And I want to tell you something that we need to pray before we teach so Lord, help us today as we focus on this and learn from you how you speak to the nations and how you talk to us and help us to apply it now and apply it today in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen, and make it so. All right. With that in mind, let's focus on Ezekiel chapter 25, beginning with verse eight. Here is what the Bible says. Thus says the Lord God. Because Moab and Seir say, look, the house of Judah is like all the nations. Therefore, behold, I will clear the territory of Moab of cities and the cities on its frontier. The glory of the country, Beth Shemoth, Beth Meon, and Kirjath Ham, to the men of the east, I will give it as a possession together with the Ammonites that the Ammonites may not be remembered among the nations. And I will execute judgments upon Moab that they shall know that I am the Lord. Well, this is fascinating. Let me tell you, Moab would perish because they believed that Israel was no different than any other nation. Did, did you hear that? Moab believed that Israel was no different than any other nation. Christians believe that God made the difference through Jesus Christ, who was Israeli. I'm going to probably get letters from people on that. But Jesus Christ said to the, all the world, me, 
who am not Israeli. You, if you are Israeli, great, it's you. If you're not, that's great. But he said to the world, he said to everybody, come to me and I will give you rest. I need to say that because that's very important. We need to hear that. Now it gets better. In Ezekiel chapter 25, verse 12, it says, thus says the Lord God, because of what Edom did against the house of Judah by taking vengeance and has greatly offended by avenging itself on them. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will also stretch out my hand against Edom, cut off man and beast from it and make it desolate from T-man, Dedan, shall fall by the sword. I will lay my vengeance on Edom and my hand on the people of Israel, or my vengeance on Edom by the hand of the people of Israel, that they may not, or they may do in Edom according to my anger and according to my fury, and they shall know my vengeance, says the Lord. I tell you, this is something else. Edom was judged because they avenged themselves on Israel. My goodness, you, you can't do that. The Lord pays attention to how we treat others, beloved. The Lord pays attention to how we treat, you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. That's what he said. Love others as you love yourself. That's what Jesus said. I know a lot of people who don't do that. And we should. We should learn to love and not hate. We should learn to love and not come up with things wrong with people. Everybody has something wrong. We should learn to love them. That's important. That's the New Testament. We'll get to that in a couple of, uh, couple of months anyway. All right. Ezekiel chapter 25, verse 15. Here's what it says. Thus says the Lord God, because the Philistines dealt vengefully and took vengeance with a spiteful heart to destroy because the old hatred. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will stretch out my hand against the Philistines and I will cut off the Cherethites and destroy the remnant of the seacoast. He says, I will execute great vengeance on them with furious rebukes, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon them. Now, this is really important to hear. Philista hated Israel from the past, and they would pay for it. The Lord will make all things new, beloved. We must never violate God's commands from our feelings in the past. Did you hear that? We must not violate God's commands because of our feelings in the past. God gives us the ability to forgive people who've hurt us, violated us, and done all kinds of things. If we hear one more story about somebody 30 years ago who had something happen to them, they're going to sue the guy. And I, I mean, come on, beloved. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there are horrible things that happen, but there is nothing that's happened to you that God cannot forgive and repair if we fall before him. Father, I pray today, as we've seen the nations judged here, I pray today, Lord, that if there is something a man, a woman, somebody has done to us in the past. 
Help us to forgive them. We come before you. We fall on our face. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Welcome back to the program. Now, as you're probably aware, today's reading includes many prophecies against various people groups. And in Ezekiel 24, we even see a prophecy against Edom. Now, if you're new to the Bible, you might be wondering just who these Edomites were. So today we're going to trace these people through history. It begins with a man named Esau, the brother of Jacob. And this is his story. With failing vision, the elderly Isaac inadvertently blesses his younger son Jacob rather than the intended recipient, Esau, his firstborn. And he declares over him first a promise of agricultural prosperity. May God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. And then a promise of lordship. Let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. And finally, to connect this patriarchal blessing with the Abrahamic covenant, Isaac declares, Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. When Esau learns that all of this has been promised to Jacob, he bitterly wails and laments, and demands a blessing from his father. Well, there is a blessing given to Esau at this point, and while the first part of it appears to be identical to Jacob's blessing in some translations of the Bible, it is in fact the opposite of what was promised to his younger brother. For example, a few English translations of the Bible render the Hebrew in the following verse this way, Behold, Esau, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. But the grammatical elements present in the Hebrew text means it should be read this way. Behold, your dwelling shall be away from the fatness of the earth and away from the dew of heaven. So since Esau's place is away from this and away from that, Esau will not inherit the land. Whatever his blessing, it will be away from the land. He will not be the inheritor of it. Jacob will be. Isaac then continues his blessing of Esau and makes three specific prophecies regarding his nation Edom. The first is, by your sword you shall live. In other words, he will sustain himself by plunder and he will live the life of a marauding dwelling nation. One example of the fulfillment of this is in Numbers chapter 20. The second prophecy is, and you shall serve your brother Jacob. This also came to pass since Edom was defeated by Saul and then subjugated by David. There was also a failed revolt under Solomon. Edom did rebel against Joram but was subdued again by Amaziah. The third prophecy Jacob made was, And it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. As previously mentioned, this break happened first under Joram and then under Ahaz. In subsequent history, when the Jews went into Babylonian captivity, the Edomites left their territory at Mount Seir in the Transjordan and moved to the southern part of Judah, where they became known as Idumeans. 
In addition, later these Idumeans were conquered by one of the descendants of the Maccabees, John Hyrcanos, who conquered them in 129 BC, forcibly converted them to Judaism, and then incorporated Idumea into the Jewish Judean state. Eventually, these converted Idumeans produced the dynastic rule of the House of Herod. Though I do hope that this brief history of Edom helps to bring some better context and understanding to today's reading, and that this will help us as we move forward in history to the time of King Herod in the New Testament. Remember, the Old Testament is critical for our understanding of the New Testament because the Bible, book by book, builds upon itself both historically and theologically. Yeah, it's true. And actually, the Old Testament is uh, concealed. The New Testament is revealed. And uh, it's very interesting how you begin to understand the Old Testament when you begin to read the New, which is why we're excited about going into the Old Testament after the prophets. Yeah, it's all one book. That's right. It's one book. I'll tell you, it's excellent. Okay, Corey, you're up. Okay, well, as I was reading Ezekiel chapter 25 this, you know, this week in preparation for the show, there is a small prophecy against Edom that is the nation of Edom that is recorded here in Ezekiel chapter 25. And the specific offense uh, that, that is listed here is how the Edomites took revenge on Judah uh, while in, in the time of Judah's distress. So as the Babylonian invasion is happening, when Jerusalem was destroyed, rather than helping people fleeing Judah and Jerusalem, the Edomites actually captured them and killed them. And we can read about the, this, you know, in the Psalms, in Lamentations, and a few of the other prophets. But we also know that when Babylon, you know, before the destruction of Jerusalem, in the different Babylonian invasions and military advances, that um, Edom used this opportunity to begin to infringe on the borders of Judah and try to take more and more territory. We read about that in some of the other prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah. So this got me thinking about a site uh, that has been extensively excavated in Israel, in modern day Israel today. It's called Tel Arad. Now, a lot of attention is given to Tel Arad based off of the time period of Hezekiah and Jeremiah because there's this really cool sanctuary that they found at Tel Arad bad that was filled in and covered over, uh, and it appears to have been part of Hezekiah's religious reforms. So some really cool evidence for Hezekiah and uh, that can be found here at Tel Arad. But I want to look at, you know, that's that fortress was destroyed and then rebuilt. And I want to look at this next layer, this layer of Tel Arad this, that would have existed during the time period of Ezekiel. So Tel Arad, first of all, you need to know, it wasn't this great big huge city. It was a military fort. And it existed on the edge of Judah's kingdom. Uh, you know, scholars refer to it as a frontier fort. So, uh, uh, it, and what's interesting about Tel Arad is that it likely had... Um, authority over several other frontier forts. So these were guarding military outposts along the border of Judah. There's been several key finds here. I mentioned the, uh, the, the sanctuary that was filled in likely during Hezekiah's religious reforms. There's also this really interesting signet ring that was found that uh, a really early signet ring that doesn't have any writing on it, but it has an outline of the fortress itself. So it probably belonged to an early commander of the fortress at Tel Arad. Uh, and later on, during this time period of Ezekiel, uh, we have, uh, for Ezekiel and Jeremiah, we have a, 
a known commander of the fortress because we have his signet seal and we have several notes that were written to him, some official receipts. And his name was Eliashib. So he was the military commander of this fort at Tel Arad. Now, this series of ostraca, uh, which is writing on pottery, uh, that is addressed and were addressed to Eliashib, there's several of them and a lot of them are very practical. So they give refueling and restocking instructions, uh, needs from troops of men that were traveling back and forth between these frontier forts. Uh, and the receipts, you know, give me for a certain amount of bread and a certain amount of wine to refuel them on their journey. On the back of these receipts, they're actually dated and signed by Eliashib on the days that he provided those provisions for the troops. So pretty cool. When those orders were fulfilled, we had this signature of Eliashib. But what's really interesting is an ostraca was found um, that just outside of Tel Arad that again was addressed to Eliashib. But it's asking for men to be sent not only from Tel Arad, but also another fort to a very specific city so that this city could resist an attack from Edom. So we see here, as the Babylonian invasion began, the Edomites begin to take territory here on these, on this frontier, on the border of Judah. And, and the Eliashib Ostraca is representative of this. It shows us that this was actually happening in history. Uh, what's really interesting about this too is that this was a direct order from the king of Judah that Eliashib would send troops to this city. And there's a, a very thin, it's not even veiled threat that's recorded on this ostraca that to disobey or to delay sending men to this city would essentially be treason and he would have to fight for it. He would have to defend his life to the king of Judah. So this definitely did happen. Edom definitely did try to invade Judah, take territory from Judah, uh, monopolize on the Babylonian invasion. Now, we do know that Tel Arad was destroyed in the Babylonian invasion, whether it was by the Edomites or by Babylon is kind of up for debate. Uh, we don't know what ended up happening to Eliashib. We know that he also had a son who lived with him there at Tel Arad. We don't know what happened to them, but we do know that uh, the Edomites did indeed monopolize on Judah's distress. Very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Corey. That's uh, excellent. Janice? So much information. So much. In I know. There. I know. Goodness <laughs> gracious. Well, you know, looking at these chapters in Ezekiel, we have a proclamation against Ammon. We have a proclamation against Moab. We have a proclamation against Edom. We have a proclamation against Philistia. God's judgment comes when a nation or a people, when you and me willfully turn our back on God, when we willfully turn our back on God, when we willfully choose not to believe in him, when we willfully choose not to believe that Jesus is the son of God, when we willfully do these things, that's when God's judgment comes upon us. And so, you know, we're reading this chapter of Ezekiel, the prophecies against all these nations. And I look at this and I think, you know, it boils down to me about loving God, what loving God really is. And, you know, you and I have a choice to make. 
When we are confronted with God, with his scriptures, with the statement that, that Jesus is the son of God and that he is the only way to the father is through him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Each one of us has to make that decision. I can't judge you for the decisions that you make. That's not my place. You can't judge me for the decisions that I make. That's my decision to, to make. But I believe that both of us will be held accountable by God. And I have given my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, recognizing who I am in Christ Jesus. And that the only way that I can be reconciled to my God, to my Heavenly Father, is through Him, through giving my life to Him. And so I think very simplistically, in a, in a lot of ways. And, and in this, as I'm reading the judgments, and there are very specific judgments given, listed here, why they are going to be judged by God. And so I think to myself, Jesus just made it so very simple. To me, it all boils down to this. He was asked, he had talked to the Pharisees. It says here in Matthew 22, if you have your Bible, open it up, Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees because he was answering their questions with such authority, they literally just stopped talking. When he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing Jesus and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Listen to what it all boils down to. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, Jesus said. And then he went on. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then verse 40 says, On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul with all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment on these two commandments the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself it boils down to that rod that personal decision of who god is in your life willfully choosing for him willfully choosing against him and setting your heart on setting your mind and your heart and your love on god first and when you do that he gives you the ability to love others as yourself. Very, very important lessons for us to learn. We continue to pray for people going through the difficult times that we're having right now. And I would remind you that God is faithful to those who give to his work. And so I would just say that, give to the work of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ according to his word. And Father, we pray today that you would help people struggling to see the beauty of giving in this time. It means surrendering ourselves to you. Help us to do that today in Jesus' name. Amen.